we just sang my favorite music to sing. And uh, but if but if you like another kind, just come back Sunday morning. Who knows? Who knows what it'll be Sunday morning? Uh, it's something different every every week, and I, I like it all. I have my favorite, but I like it all. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, and we are in chapter two. We're going to begin in verse twelve tonight. I'm not real good at giving my titles. I have them. I just don't say them so they can put them down. But if you want a title, it's it's get busy. Get busy. Sunday night we spoke of unity. And we talked about the fact that there can be the faithful servants of God serving the Lord and the will of God going through all the right motions. But there's going to be conflict sometimes. Even when you're doing that, there's going to be clashes sometimes. There's going to be the temptation uh, to respond in, in one way or another. I hope it's never quit. I hope that's never the response that I'm just going to quit. Because that's not the response that we are to have. We should always sit down and examine the motives. Sometimes there's things we must change but we should never quit. We are actually continuing the subject of unity tonight in these verses. And you will find in, the, in uh, verse 12, the first verse is wherefore. And that connects this subject with the previous subject, which is speaking of unity. And, you know, we find that being busy in the Lord... And doing His work, as we've mentioned, there needs to be some examination sometimes. We always need to make sure that the right motive is going along with the motions. And there can be conflict in that sometimes. But at the same time, now what what we have to talk about is the fact that being busy and working for the Lord and doing all that we should do, it does bring unity. So, based on what we have shared, there needs to be caution, but at the same time, it needs to be continual. It needs to be continual our whole life through, working for the Lord. And that will bring a unity to you and I. Well, we need to get busy. We need to get busy, first of all, in verse 12, working out our salvation. Verse 12 says, My beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A couple of points I want to make about this one verse alone. And the first thing I want to talk about is the doctrine of this verse. And what some have speculated or tried to to stuff into the meaning of this verse is that we work for salvation. And the problem with that, you don't find it here. You don't find it in the original language. It, it's, it's not there. We're not working for salvation. We are working because we're saved. 
Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we're not saved by our works. We are saved for doing the good works of God. And, and, and that's part of what working out your salvation means. It, it, it means doing the work that you've been saved to do. But we not only see a doctrine in this verse, there's a duty that, that we can gather from what we just read. Uh, we are to take hold of the life that Christ has given us. What does it say here? It says, um, uh, when it, where it says, work out your salvation. In other words, embrace and take hold of the life that you've been given in Christ and, and work in it. Work in that new life. Work it out. Put a lot of energy into it. it a lot of exerting. Work in your salvation. It's how God is going to bring out the best in you and I by, by being busy in our salvation. You know, there are people, and for the physical body, they work out. They might lift weights. They may run. I personally think running is overrated, but a lot of people do it. Um, and, and they not only, you know, work out and, and run, but they do other, play sports or whatever. Or maybe people do all, all three and many other things to work out the body. You know, that makes the muscles burn. That makes you sweat. That really, that really works the lungs and it really gets you to breathing hard. It, it really brings about a lot of exertion. There's a lot of pain in it, but nevertheless, there's a development that results from the physical working out. I mean, there's a lot of people that do it and they like the results and they keep on doing it. I do it every now and then and quit for a while. I'm a mess. Don't, don't, don't think about me, me in this, but, but there's people that do that and they like the rewards of it, so they continue to do so. And our duty is to work out our salvation. Whether it, there's going to be struggle in it, there's going to be some pain in it, there's going to be some ups and downs throughout our lives, but working out our salvation is more important than anything we'll go through in our lives. As a matter of fact, as we're working out our salvation, God's going to send some of these things. God's going to send some difficult things into our lives, and it's for development. It's so that you and I can be developed as children of God. So we're to... To work it out, there's different situations in life that come up, but we should always be working out our salvation. They actually exist for a very, very good reason. Um, we not only see a duty here, though, there's a duration we can see in this. Working out our salvation, first of all, let me say, it's, it's for all the time. It's all the time. Not, not just the church, not just around the preacher, not just around your Sunday school teacher. Um, it's, it's constantly to go on. I had a friend, an elderly friend, and he's in glory now, and he told me about a job he had. And he, uh, he worked in one division with just one other person. 
and my friend did all the work and his co-worker never liked to do any work and he didn't do any work. But they had an advantage of where they worked. They could look through a door and they could see when the boss was coming down. And, and so when that time was coming about, finally this guy wants to work. He wants to get up and grab the wrench out of my friend's hand and he's going to start working. You know, he's looking for him. My friend's not looking for him because he's always working. So he gets caught and gets the wrench taken out of his hand. He's just standing there when the boss comes in. Because the other guy liked to work uh, according to eye service. You know, pleasing man. He didn't want to do it all the time. But working out our salvation, it's not a church thing. It's a life thing. And it's to be done all of our life. You know, worship of the Lord, it's a way of life. And it's our life state. It's, it's, it's Sunday through Saturday. It's all the time. And, and so working out our salvation is for all the time. It's, and it's to be worked out to completion. So not just for all the time, but for all time. I mean, for, forever this is going on while we're here on this earth. We're working toward the completion. We're working toward the finished product that we're going to be. And we're not going to be there until we get home to heaven. So it's something that we need to be busy doing all the time. Working out our heavenly purpose on earth. Doing all that the Lord tells us to do. Whether it's at home. Whether it's at church. Whether it's on the job. When we're alone. When we're tempted to sin. When we're going through temptations and trials. Working out our salvation, it's something that's to consume our lives and it's to be all the time. Let's notice the demeanor of working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's, it's really good to get to know our Father and the character of our Father and not being scared of Him. You know, in one sense, I'm scared to death to quit serving the Lord. I'm scared to death for what would happen to my life if I, if, I, if I quit worshiping Him in church and gathering with His people and reading His Word and praying. I'm scared to death what would happen to me. But working out our salvation with fear and trembling. My dad always liked me to go places with him. That's the way I took it anyway. When my dad was going around the corner to Dewey's to get gas... I knew I was going to get a marathon bar and an orange crush. So I was good to go. Ready, ready and willing to go. But sometimes my dad would do a side job. He was an electrician and he did side work a lot. So on Saturdays, he would be getting ready to go. And I was kind of hoping I wouldn't be asked. But he always asked me if I wanted to go. I didn't want to go. There was nothing to do. He's kind of like me. I, I, when, I, when I'm working with my hands, I'm not a good teacher for, to teach someone how to build something or do something. I, I just do it myself. And that's the way my dad was, so I didn't even really work with him. I was just kind of there and just kind of bored for eight hours of my Saturday. Or when my dad went to visit a friend, he always wanted to take me along. And... Um, my dad could talk and talk and talk. Kind of reminds me of someone else I know when they go to visit. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And 
You know, my dad was about 45 when I was born. So when I would go with my dad to visit his friend that was about his age, their kids were already grown and gone. So here I am at this house and there's no toys to play with. There's nothing for me to do but just sit there and get in trouble when I would whisper, Dad, can we go now? I went when I didn't want to go because I believed my dad wanted me to go for him to ask me to go. So I believed it pleased him if I said, yeah, dad, ready to go. I was always anxious to please my dad. And you and I have a father that we ought to always be anxious to please. And that's the idea of us working out our salvation in fear and trembling. It's an anxiousness. It's an anxious care that we would please Him. It's a reverence for Him that knowing we're going to go before the judgment seat of Christ one day, and we want it to be a positive judgment. So we need to be working out our salvation in fear and trembling. We see in the next verse, though, we need to be working at submission. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We have the duty of working out our salvation. We have the duty of discovering the will of God, living in the will of God, living for him, living for him everywhere we go, living for him in all we do. And God doesn't leave us alone in that. He is with us and God helps us to work out our salvation. God is working in us so we can work out our salvation. He doesn't leave us alone in this task that is too much for us. But it's something that He is doing. He is forever working within you and I, giving us direction, giving us desire, helping us to have diligence. He's developing us in all that we go through so that we can work out our salvation. He's here as a great help and He enables us to do what what we can't do. He enables us to do, if we're going to be honest, what we don't want to do sometimes. Think of Jonah. God had a will for Jonah. And it had to do with the Ninevites. And we don't know this, but my little two cents, I'm thinking that Jonah had a problem with the Ninevites. I'm thinking they had some history down through the years. And... He didn't want to have much to do with Nineveh. He headed out to Tarshish. Tarshish doesn't sound anything like Nineveh. He was told the plan was go to Nineveh. He starts going to Tarshish. Long story short, he finds himself in the belly of a fish. You can make good decisions when you've been put in the belly of a fish. And he finally does. And, and look, and, and the greatest revival that could ever break out, broke out among Nineveh, and they repented. And God was working in Jonah to make it happen. God was shaping him. God was developing him and all he had to be doing in order to do God's will. He does the same for you and I. We mess up 
and we miss out whenever we want to do what self wants to do instead of what our Savior wants to do. Oh, the blessings of God that we would miss out on if we didn't work out our salvation by Him who works in us and through us. He gives us desire. He gives us delight in it. He gives us diligence in it. May our worldly activity never dominate the determination of God in our lives. Let's work at submission. Submission to Him has Him working in us to work out our salvation. We need to work at silence also. Verse 14. Do all things without murmurings or disputings. You know, if we would more clearly connect the problems that we can experience with what caused the birth of those problems, a lot of times it would come from the words that we say. It might just be flippant. We might not be really thinking about what we're saying. But the birth of a lot of problems comes out of the mouth and comes from what we say by way of murmuring, by way of arguments, by way of debate, by way of disputing. We would argue less about things, or we would engage less about things if we realized the problems that are caused as a result. Remember that there, there are a lot of things that are covered in this letter to Philippi, and one of them that takes up a whole lot of what is said is the dispute between two members in this church of Philippi. They are wanting to be served rather than served. They are, they are in debate among one another, and it's something that could eventually split the church. So Paul is directly and indirectly throughout this letter pointing out and, and helping this problem of too many words and not enough silence. You know, there are definitely times when something needs to be said. There are times when someone can say something to someone else in love and it really takes care of it a whole lot easier than if it gets worse and God deals with it. So there are definitely times that something needs to be said. But look, not all the time. Not all the time. And more times than not, nothing should be said than something being said. We make light of our God, who is the God of this church, who is the God of all His true churches, the God of all of His people, we make light of the thought of taking things to prayer to Him, knowing it's His people and His church, and, and He will react and respond to that. Thinking about people in Christianity, so many would say, well, this has got to be done, and that's got to be done, and this has to be said when we need to realize the power of, of prayer Amen. 
and knowing that God is moving upon those prayers and knowing that and just expecting God to change the situation. Silence, they say at the movies, silence is golden. And sometimes it is for you and I. May we never underestimate God's involvement in His action, in His church, and the lives of His people. The murmuring children of Israel. You know, they suffered a lot of things that they were never intended to suffer. But it was because of their words. It was because of their murmuring. And, and so they brought a lot of difficulty upon themselves that God never would have. Vocal negativity never works out our salvation. Let me say that again. Vocal negativity never works out our salvation. But it works bondage in. It works us into bondage whenever there's so much vocal negativity. Solomon says there's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. We need to we need to work out our salvation. We need to we need to work at submissiveness. We need to work at silence. And then that's going to have us work at shining. Look at verse 15 with me please. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. So many things to talk about in this verse. But our focus should never be primarily on the crookedness of this world. The crookedness of this city, the crookedness of our surroundings. Our focus must be more so on the straightness of the conduct of our life in this crooked world. That's the chance to help it. Our, our you know, uh, idle words aren't going to help. But a straightness in our character and a straightness in our conduct, that is what's going to help. This needs to be the focus that we have in a crooked and perverse nation. Also, it says that we may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Um, one thing this verse doesn't say, it doesn't say that you and I will not be blamed. Even if we're living our lives as we should for the Lord, we're still going to be blamed. Others are going to lie on you. They are going to twist your words. They are going to assume things from half a story. They're going to judge in unrighteous judgment. They're going to spout out things that aren't even true out of revenge. Just know that those things will come. We need to conduct our lives in such a way that we're innocent of the charges. The charges are going to come against you no matter what. We need to live our lives in such a way only by God working in and through us so that we're innocent of the charges that would come against you and I. People will do that to us, but we need to live our lives blameless as God will help us to do that. We're to live above reproach 
Because there's a desperate situation in this world. And this world is in darkness. And we're given the, the charge to shine as lights in this world. If God can light up the rear end of a firefly, think what He can do to His people when they are working out their salvation, when they are in submission to Him. He's called us to be light. We need to work at shining. This polluted world needs some purity. And God, God is drawing. You know God is drawing people all the time. There's people in the midst of being drawn to salvation. Do you know that there are lost people and the seeds planted and it's being watered right now and the harvest hasn't happened? I want you to know God, God is drawing people. Our, the only person's testimony I could tell of being drawn is myself. I couldn't tell any of yours. But I remember when God was drawing me to salvation. I remember the crowds I would go and hang out with before I was being drawn to Christ. And then all of a sudden, I found myself at a gathering of some young couples from church. And, and, and here I am at this guy's house. And I'm looking around and I'm observing what's going on. And it's all clean. And it's all good. And everyone's having a good time. And I'm thinking, man, the preacher of this church could show up and he would be happy. He would probably stay and hang out a while. You know, I was being drawn to the Lord. And though I was a part of a lot of things for many years that I shouldn't have been doing, but I was doing what was natural because I was unsaved. I want to tell you something. When I was being drawn, I wanted to see something different. I'm not telling you I was good. And I wanted good, but the drawing of God, I wanted to see something different in the crowd of church people that invited me out to the house than I saw in the crowd of people I worked with or the crowd of old friends. I wanted to see something different as God was drawing me. And you understand, as God is drawing people in this world, we need to shine as lights. We need to show something different. We need to show something of the glory of heaven because that's what God is leading them to. What a blessing for you and I just to be a little part of that. Our testimony needs to be telling a clear story. Which brings us to our next point. We not, it's not only about our actions and what we do. It's as shining. We need to work at shining. But we also need to work at speeches. Okay? Look at verse 16. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Combining these two points... That we that we have right now, I think of. I think of at least five people. Throughout my Christian life that have come to me and they've told me about telling someone about Jesus Christ. And then whether it be a co-worker or something a month down the road, the co-workers go out after work and. And this person, by their testimony, they're just grieving over the fact that they told them about Jesus and then what they did, what they saw in front of them. And by, the, by in their own thoughts, they, they say, 
I've done worse damage by telling them about Jesus while I'm, while I'm living this way or doing this. We're called and given the ability to shine in our testimony and also to tell forth the word of life. We're called to be able to do both and we must do both or there shall be some damage that is done. We are to declare the truth as we go living our lives. Part of working out our salvation is showing Jesus and telling others about Jesus Christ. What would you think about a marriage and one person in that marriage doesn't want to be seen in public with their spouse? What would you think if they told them, look, I, I will be glad to eat dinner with you, but I want to eat at home. I don't, I don't want to go out anywhere. I'll watch a movie with you, but I want to watch it at home. I don't want to go anywhere. I'll be glad to sit and talk with you, but we'll, we'll do it right here. I'm not going to go out in public with you. How insulting is that? And as we think about something like that, I'm afraid there's way too many people within the family of God, children of God, that they may pray privately in their home. The things of the Lord are, are, are going on for their family and, and in their life maybe at home, maybe behind closed doors. But it's like when some Christians get out in the world, they do not want people to publicly know that, that they have a relationship, that they have ties to Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the witness is weak today, and it just seems as though that's the case. Look, if we have worked with someone or gone to school with someone for 10 or 15 years, and they have no idea we're a Christian, then there's some aggressiveness that you and I need to take. We need to be working out our salvation. We need to be telling forth the word of life that has been given to you and I that will be their only hope. There's nothing, at, there's nothing at all wrong in the midst of a conversation whenever people are speaking of views and they're speaking of their ideas of what's okay and moral in life or they're speaking of what they believe God is and it's opposite of what God has told us. There's nothing at all wrong and we should speak up in love and teach and be glad to tell them what the Bible says and what Christianity believes. We need to do that. That is their only hope. This is a world of darkness and we're called to shine forth as light and we need to we need to work we need to work at speeches we must go and we must tell the word of life my daughter used to go to school with a girl and um, just a few years ago and she just recently heard that this girl was at home with her baby this girl and her mom they were at home with the baby and the baby stopped breathing and the mom and the grandma did not know CPR. So the grandma just for out of desperation runs out of the house and starts yelling and help, help, help. A man was walking or jogging down the road. He was a pastor and he was a police officer 
and he knew CPR and he ran in the house and the baby was unresponsive and he got that child to breathing again. And that girl, the mama of that little baby said, you need, I don't know if she posted it on some kind of account that goes out to the public socially, whatever, but she posted, you need to know God. If you don't know the Lord, you need to know the Lord. We need to tell of the great things that He has done. We need to tell of the goodness that's in our life. We need to be showing joy in times of sorrow at the, at the, at the valley and on the mountaintop. We need to be, we need to be shining forth the light of God. People need to wonder what's going on in our life and we need to be anxious and ready to tell them of the goodness of God, a creator who loves us, who gave his son for us and, and, and to experience salvation in him is to know him personally and have your life changed and have the peace of heaven. There is an afterlife. We need to tell forth the word of life. When we do, God's judgment is positive upon our life. Jesus Christ is the only thing, the only one that we have a right to boast about. Amen. We're never given anything else that's okay to boast about. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We need to glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. My last point is a long one. Do you have a few minutes? Because we need to work at sacrifice. Verse 17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Paul was in prison and he continued to preach the gospel. He wrote to the people of God which became the Word of God. He cared about the churches while he was in prison. He encouraged the saints, even though his innocent life was going to be put on trial and he was possibly in the last days of his life unjustly going to have his life possibly taken by wicked men. Why did he continue to witness? Why did he continue to write the Word of God and pray and care for the churches? Why did he continue to work out his salvation? Well, knowing Paul and what we know about him, I believe it was a, I believe it was a covenant he made with God that even if his blood be spilled out, he is going to live his life for the furtherance of the gospel for the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he already, he already settled it with God. He covered in his commitment of sacrifice to the cause of Christ. You know, and, and if we go back to the offerings in Leviticus, what does it say here in verse 17? Yea, and if I be offered. And in Leviticus, we find the offerings. And one offering was a drink offering that was poured out to God. And, and it's as though Paul is paralleling that with, with I'm willing to pour out my blood for the sake of the gospel. Whether in life or death, may Christ be magnified in His body, he had said earlier. And, and within this holy cause for Paul, which is to be ours as well, it involves sacrificing for people. 
It involves sacrificing for the people of God. Stay with me one more minute while we work at sacrifice, please, because we need to sacrifice for our brothers and sisters. We ought to be pouring ourselves out into the lives of the people of God. You know, some people say they're a Christian and that they love God and they serve God, but they don't like other people. Now look, I know I'm dealing and we're dealing together with a whole lot of different personalities here. And God has a lot of developing to do in a lot of people in some areas and less in others. But there's, there's an area we need more developing in than, than that other person does. So we're not judging here, but, but we think about people who are Christians who don't seem to like people and say they serve God. The only problem with that is you're not serving God if you're not serving people. The only way for you and I to serve God is to serve someone. We must count someone else's interest more than that of our own. That's the problem that these two people are having in this church. We need to serve somebody. We need to work at sacrifice. Look, and when we work at sacrifice, there's no such thing as convenience. And Okay, I'll sacrifice for someone as long as it's convenient. That's about as opposite. You can't stuff those two things in the same thought and be right. It's always going to cost you and I something to sacrifice. David said, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. We need to work at sacrifice. It's going to cost us and it's going to be in concern with someone else. When the Lord's church is obeying Him and working out their salvation, submitting to His commandments and His requirements, let's bring this back around now. There's going to be greater unity in the church. The church at Philippi already had great unity. But if these were Paul's last possible words and he was desirous of, of seeing the very best for them, he says and gives these instructions to make the unity greater. To make it, you're great, but make it even greater. And working out our salvation is going to bring greater unity in the church. When a church gets nosy, and when a church gets gossipy, and when a church gets clicky, and testy, and judgy, if that's a word, or filled with envy, or filled with jealousy, we have a remedy for that right here. We need to get busy. We need to get busy working out our salvation. Because those things will not be involved in working out our salvation. And those things do not create unity. Those things are not neglected as unity goes on. They hurt unity. And it causes division. It may be a sign that a church needs to get busy when those things are present. The good news and the hope is Harmony can be restored. Where, where, where there may be a church where that exists, harmony can be restored. Can be restored. And what you and I do with this 
If everybody's in harmony and everything's going great, put this in your spiritual pocket. And we have hope. We know what to do when a time comes, God forbid, that there be division. I'm going to ask you to help me to close this since I'm not doing it myself. Um, There's a song that Brother Tim led us in at church camp last summer, and he has led us in it a few times um, through this year. And I want to read the words, and I I know those of you that went to camp and others will know it, but the song is, Bind Us Together, Lord. And I'm going to say the words, and then I want, Then after I finish, I want you to please sing them with me, and we'll close our Bible study that way. The words are, bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together in love. There is only one God. There is only one King. There is only one body. That is why we sing. Will will y'all do that with (laughs) No, just everybody. Right now. You ready? Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together in love. There is only one God. There is only one God. There is only one God. bound together, how how a church is to be, the harmony, the unity, the importance of it, that we would have our minds on it, that we would go home this week having our minds on unity in the church. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ. There is one God. We have one God. We have one King. There is one body. This is why we sing. Bind us together, Lord. Corey Gerard, close us in the word of prayer now, please, sir. Father in heaven. We ask that you help us to take heed to your word and it lay upon our hearts. Father, I ask that you help to make us better workmen. And Father, to realize that sacrificing for others is going to take a little skin off of our hide. And mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that you help us help bind us together through your spirit in one body. Lord, I thank you for the gathering of your church and your promise that you're amongst us. And the promise that we can cast all of our cares upon you, Amen. for you care for us, Lord. And yes, Lord. Jesus. Father, I just thank you for your, your perfect son, Jesus, the perfect sacrifice that saves wretched souls, Lord. Help us to be a better witness in and out throughout Amen. the day. Help us be a, a better witness to lost souls, dear God. Help us to live a life that shines the glory of you and praises your name. And Lord, I ask these things in your precious son, Jesus' name. Yes, Amen. 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 Amen.